Hey, what's up? This is Abraham Ortega, and you're listening to Tattoo 408. You either know someone who ends up going to prison, or you yourself end up in prison, or you know someone gang banging, getting stabbed. This is just what it is. And it's not anything glamorous, but it mm-hmm. definitely was glorious. Yeah. It was part of our lives. Like, yeah. It was just, just what you saw, and it, it was normal. It was normal life. What's up, everybody? It's Ethan Gregory Dodge with another episode of Tattoo 408. Today, I'm bringing an interview that I did with Abraham Ortega. I actually wrote a piece about Abraham for a San Jose-based magazine called Content Magazine. It's in their most recent issue, and I used this interview for that article. And luckily enough, Content is totally cool with me putting out the interview for the podcast as well. So Unfortunately, the article is only in print, so if you get your hands on it, go and read it. If not, don't worry about it because you're going to hear everything that I talked about here. Abraham is the owner of Black Suit Tattoo in downtown San Jose, on the corner of First Street and Santa Clara. You can't really get any more downtown than that. I love the background noise that we captured in this one. It's not distracting, and it really captures the essence of downtown San Jose and what it sounds like. You can hear the VTA light rail going down. You can hear some buses passing, but it's definitely not too distracting from the interview. I'm very, very happy with this one. Just a reminder, if you like the podcast and want to help us out, there are three things you can do. The first one, leave us a five-star rating on wherever you're listening to this. The second one is to tell all your friends and family about it. And the third one is when you are buying products at sanaderm.com, use the code TATTOO408 at checkout to get a 15% discount. Thank you so much to those of you who have already done any of those three. And if you're just listening... I appreciate you so much. Seriously, the pod just hit over 1,000 downloads, which doesn't seem like a lot for a podcast with nine episodes now, but we're averaging about 120 downloads an episode, which actually puts us in the top 50% of podcasts. Sometimes that shocks people because YouTube numbers are so much bigger, but YouTube has an algorithm that's driving all the views, whereas podcasts don't necessarily have that. Speaking of YouTube, we are going to have a YouTube channel soon. I actually have started filming some of these artists uh, tattooing, and we're going to throw that up on YouTube pretty soon. It might be a month or two, might be a little bit longer, but just know that it is a project in the works. And that's it for today. Without any further ado, here is the first half of my interview with Abraham Ortega. Okay, here we are with Abraham Ortega. Black suit tattoo, we're the only ones in here. Yes, sir, for now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What time does, do people usually start rolling in? Um, I open the gates at noon, but I mean, the artists roll in around 1230. Yeah. You know, whenever they you get usually here. the first one in here. Yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah. Dope. Dope. Cool, man. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. Were you born here in San Jose? Born and raised San Jose, uh, east side San Jose. Uh, grew up uh, story in white, East Hills. Um, yeah, born and raised, never, I mean, Never really moved out. I've stayed in other places here and there, but never really moved out. Uh-huh. Just been, been in San Jose my whole life. What was your childhood like? Um, it was pretty good. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a bad childhood. I grew up, you know, growing up in the east side, I came from working class parents. My dad was from East LA. My mom was from East San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicanos, uh, working class, like I said, and and... You know, he, he was, uh, my dad was a hardworking man, blue-collared man, my mom, so was my mom. Um, she, was, she was a hardworking woman, but, you know, just 
running the streets as a kid, going to school, mm-hmm. you know, uh, getting into shit that kids get into. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and just it, 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 sh- it formed me a lot of who I am today. Yeah. It shaped me. How so? Growing up in, like, I didn't grow up in the streets, you know, I had a home, but, but running the streets as a kid, uh, you know, seeing everything and seeing family and seeing friends and just the whole, you know, there was a lot, I was never a gangbanger, but mm-hmm. grew up around it, mm-hmm. uh, just seeing it all, um, that helped shape who I am today, it, uh, especially with my tattooing. Yeah. Um, it, it made me... And my parents really helped push the whole Chica, Chicanismo on me. Um, just helped me be aware of who I am and where we stand as a people and, and made me question everything and everyone. And yeah. So. So. Um, what, what did your parents do for work? My dad was a, um, he was a, an industrial maintenance mechanic. Um, and my mom, she was, she was more like an accountant, I guess. I think yeah. she was, yeah, she kind of did like office jobs, secretarial work, shit like that. So being, being Chicanos in San Jose, I'm sure, and it, that, that, like, I'm sure with, in the 70s with uh, Cesar Chavez, like they, were they involved in all of that? Or? They were, so they were, yeah, a little bit. Like I remember going to a few protests in, in front of a Safeway with my parents, with my mom. My dad was always at work, but mm-hmm. my mom, she would take us out there when they'd protest. Safeway and the grapes and all that. Mm-hmm. She would take us out there, but they were working people. They didn't have a lot of time, but th- my mom and dad made sure that I was aware of what was going on and mm-hmm. why I never, they never taught us Spanish in the 70s. In the 70s, you don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know, you speak English. So mm-hmm. they figured, you know, if you're, if you're gonna be American, you just speak English. Mm-hmm. If you learn Spanish, it's just gonna cause more discrimination against mm-hmm. you, have a harder time. You know, little did they know it'd be the second biggest language in the country, you know. Right, right. But they, were thought, they did what they thought was best for us growing up, not trying to face discrimination. You know, my, my mom moved down to East L.A. In the, in the 60s when she met my dad, and they were part of the whole moratorium and, and mm-hmm. the riots and all mm-hmm. that. So she didn't want us to have to go through discrimination like that. So just speak English. Yeah. Did you ever learn Spanish? Or? Still never learned it, man. I, I, I want to, it's on my bucket list, but. Yeah. I mean. It's hard. It's hard, yeah. 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 Um, so, okay, so your parent, so your mom met your dad at any, down in East LA. Yes. How does, how does that inform who you are, being half Los, Los Angeles and half San Josean? Well, it's a, uh, I mean, are you speaking more like on, on gang culture and Chicano culture or are you just in general? Uh, yeah, just, col- I was speaking culturally. Yeah. Culturally, yeah. yeah. Um, it, I think it's, uh, it's what my dad always taught me, you know, those are still your people. Southerners mm-hmm. are your people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it's, uh, and it's, uh, it, it, it's like, like, I, like I said, I, I knew a lot of gangsters and in, in growing up, a lot of Northerners ran with them, hang, hung with them, but I never claimed to be a gangbanger because I knew like, you know, they're still my people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I've done my thing, done, done, done things here and there that I'm not proud of, but in the back of my head, my dad always told me, you know, these are your people. Yeah. 
So he instilled that in us. And it sounds like today you still very much believe that and you said you identify as a Chicano. Why, why is it important to you to, uh, the, and just, just so you get an idea of where I'm coming mm -hmm. from, I, I love, um, I love diving into people's cultural backgrounds and stories Ooh, yeah. and, and set to finding out what makes them tick. And so yeah. I'm not coming at it from like a skeptical. No, 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 no. I'm just trying yeah. to, yeah. So what, yeah. Why is it important to you that, that identity? Um, because, because I have been discriminated against a lot. I have mm -hmm. been beat up by the cops for no reason. I have mm -hmm. been arrested for no reason. I have been pulled over many times for no reason. You know, the, the, the discrimination is there. Mm -hmm. So it's a, uh, and you know, I, I, growing up, I learned to feed into it and play into the part and mm -hmm. look the way I look and dress the way I dress and mm -hmm. carry myself the way I want to carry myself. But I knew in the back of my head that wasn't me. I wasn't that punk on the street. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, you know, I knew how to, how to, my mannerisms, I knew the ethics and I knew that I was better than that and they would still treat me with discrimination. So I felt like, you know, I had to stand my ground and let people know that I am Chicano. That yeah. is who I am. That is what I do. And like it or not, you know, and, and more Chica Chicano than, than, than Mexican because, you know, I don't even know my, my ties to Mexico. Mm -hmm. I don't know my culture in Mexico. And even going to Mexico, I didn't feel welcome to Mexico mm. because I didn't, I'm light complected. I don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. They made it clear that I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. So I am Chicano. Yeah. Yeah. What year were you born? 74. 74. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when did you start drawing? Were you always drawn oh, as I've a kid? I've been drawing or? my whole life. Yeah. I've been drawing. My mom used to draw a lot. My grandmother used to draw a lot. My dad was a musician. My grandfather on my dad's side was a musician. So I come from a family of artists. Mm -hmm. um, so my mom put a pencil in my hand, shit, at a young age. Mm -hmm. And I, got, I still got drawings to this day from when I was four years old four or five, you know, all the way up to now. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so it was just second day. I thought everybody drew, because my cousins would draw, my brother would draw, uh -huh. like, every, so everybody that was in my world as a kid would draw. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's just what people did. I thought mm -hmm. people just drew. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, the first time I realized that people didn't draw was, I think I was in first grade or second grade, and I had went to a sleepover with, with uh, one of my friends, you know, and I took my sketchbook and my, my, my drawing pad, my pencils, thinking like, cool, we're going to go draw. Mm -hmm. And I realized, like, because it was like a birthday party, so there was a few kids there. Mm -hmm. And I realized, like, fuck, nobody's drawing. Like, uh -huh. What the fuck? Uh -huh. <laughs> when, uh -huh. When are we going to draw? Yeah. And that's when I realized, like, not everybody draws. And that's when I realized, like, okay, well, I'll just keep this to myself. How old were you? Um, shit, first or second grade, so probably like six, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And so, and what, so when you said, I'm going to keep this to myself, like, were you embarrassed by it? No, or? not embarrassed. Just, I knew that I was separated. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that I saw things, I thought of things differently. Mm -hmm. How so? How do you think of things? Differently? Because I thought everyone drew. That was my yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everyone, that was my world. At that time, were you proud of your art? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it wasn't like doing, you know, as proud as any four, five, six-year-old right. could be, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, I enjoyed what I did and didn't really know good from bad, but I just knew I enjoyed doing it. Yeah. And I always said, like, I don't want to do it as a profession because then it comes a job. Mm -hmm. I want to keep it my love, but...
and here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. But so what? So your mom encouraged you to draw. She was an artist herself. Mm -hmm. You said your dad was a musician. Yeah. Are you a musician as well? No, I I love music, man. Like music speaks to me for sure. But uh, yeah, I just never picked up an instrument. I picked up drums for a little bit, but mm -hmm. you know, I just I stuck with drawing. Yeah. 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 What kind of stuff did your mom draw? More figure drawing, a real realism, a still life, mm -hmm. um, portraits. Um, when she did, that was in her, my earlier years. As as she got older, she kind of put it down, and I try and get her back into it, but she just kind of put it down. Is she still around? No, they both passed. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, they both passed. My dad passed when I was 25. Mm -hmm. My mom passed in 2018, I think. I'm sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, it happens. Um, did, did your mom encourage you to, to draw anything in particular? Or? No, she encouraged me to just, back then I was drawing a lot of cars. I grew up, my first, like I said, my first drawing that I had when I was four years old, it's of the 1946 truck that I own now, that was my dad's truck. So you, The same exact truck same that, truck. Your, that yeah. your dad owned? Yeah. Wow, that's so, awesome. So it's a little drawing of when he, because that used to be his daily driver and it was baby blue, and they, we used to drive around in that trip pickup. Uh -huh. Him, my mom, me, and my brother. And um, so that's, that was, that was, I grew up loving trucks, so I would always draw cars and draw trucks. My dad got us into the, the car culture, and so that's all I would draw mostly, was cars and, cars and trucks, lowriders, hot rods, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, my mom never, forced me to draw anything. She just wanted me to draw, like just do. She would teach me things here and there, teach me perspectives and, you know, proportions. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Did you, uh, did you grow up going to a lot of low riding events and stuff or? Um, yeah, well, my dad could take us. Like I said, he was working a lot. We would definitely go to the fairgrounds or to Raza Park or yeah, little, little events. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I really got into it on my own when I got older. Yeah. My teens, yeah. How many uh, classic cars do you have now? Now I just have one. Now I just have the 46, yeah, my dad's old 46, and a, a Shovelhead, 72 Harley Davidson. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to maintain and not buy anything else. Till yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Till I'm trying to focus on my, what I got now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a lot of work, that car? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. It, it's, it looks beat up, but, you know, I love it. it. It still looks the exact same way that my dad left it sitting back in 84. Uh-huh. But, you know, I did redid all the suspension and motor. I'm getting the interior done now. But I'm leaving the body the way it is, the way he left it to me. So, that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. So it's cool. But it's always work. It's always a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Was your mom a trained artist then or was she just no. kind of self-taught? No, self-taught. We were all self-taught. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any of us were very good at school. <laughs> <laughs> so did you ever take art classes in high school? Or? No, in high school, yeah. It was like, you know, the electives, the mandatory electives. Mm -hmm. Of course, I would choose art, but I would fail them because like mm -hmm. they would tell you, you have to do this, you have to do that. And I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I would always fail my art classes because I was never good at authority people telling me mm -hmm. i have to do this so yeah and it didn't work for me you, you didn't have what, what high school did you go to james lick james what james lick james lick okay. yeah that's on the east side and it you you didn't so I, I take it your teachers didn't really like take an interest in what you were drawing or? no they didn't a lot of them a lot of them uh 
Because I, I would never act up in class. I was always very respectful to, to my teachers and I would always show up, you know, usually late, but I always show up, you know, if somebody was acting out in class, I'd always try to, you know, like cool them out, like mm -hmm. just be cool, you know, like mm -hmm. try and, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, a, they knew I had respect. They mm -hmm. knew I respected them. They knew I respected where I was, but I just wouldn't do the work. I just, but when I came to, when it came to the test or anything, I'd pass them. It's fine. I don't need, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't do homework. I wouldn't mm -hmm. do none of that shit. So, um, I did graduate on a, on a very low grade average, but it was because, <laughs> you know, my teachers knew that I was capable. I could do it. Uh -huh. I just didn't uh -huh. know. I would just be in class drawing all day and, mm -hmm. but they knew, I, I knew the answers to the questions. Mm -hmm. they, I just didn't follow the structure. And so. Were you still mostly drawing cars then or? In high school, it, it went on to more um, like Chicano style work. Mm -hmm. Back in high school, the, the home girls, the, the, you know, the towers, the barbed wire, the jail bars, all the homeboys, lowriders, all that shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it got, in high school, that's when it, it got into, kind of spawned what I'm still kind of doing now. What, what brought that on? Just the, I think just growing up where we did, it was kind of just part of, part of the culture, you know, prison life, gang life, street life, it was all part of the culture. Mm -hmm. It's just what you, you either know someone who ends up going to prison or you yourself end up in prison or you know someone gang banging, getting stabbed, you know, you, this, mm -hmm. is, this is just what it is. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not anything glamorous but it mm -hmm. definitely was glorious. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's part of, it was part of our lives. Like, yeah. It was just, it's just what you saw and it, it was normal. It was normal life. What was the racial makeup of your friend group? Were you all Chicanos or was it? Yeah. Mostly Chicanos. Yeah. It was, yeah. I think, uh, in high school, uh, yeah, it was all Chicanos. Yeah. 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 What about you? What about your high school? Were there, were, was it mostly Chicano or was it most? No, my high school, James Lake was pretty well, well, uh, there's a lot of, uh, Portuguese, mm -hmm. A lot of Chicanos, Asians, um, few blacks, Samoans, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, probably mostly Chicano and white, brown and white. Mm -hmm. But for the for the mo for the most part, it was uh, what it, I I take it because it was on the east side, likely mm -hmm. a, a low income high school. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, a lot of I, I'm sure a lot of students were having very similar experiences to you. Of course, yeah. Right? Um, were your, were your friends drawing at that, at that point? Did they like your art? What, what, how did they support you? They, they definitely liked it. Yeah. They supported me. Like, like the, I was, I would, um, none of them drew no one. There was a couple of guys that I knew that drew, but like, they weren't like in my clique, you know, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. me it was, it was, I was the only one. So, but they respected it. They, they, they loved it. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't want me getting involved in shit. They would, you know, they wanted me to, yeah. they wanted me to push my art. Yeah. So when I started tattooing in high school, like that was, like everyone was on board. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It was. Perfect segue. That's what I was going to ask you about next. When did you start tattooing? Cause that's like high school. High school, 14 years old. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was, uh, made a homemade rig and, and, um, my cousin made me a, a homemade rig when I was seven years old. No shit. Yeah, because <laughs> he knew I drew, and uh -huh. like, and he he was I don't know he was probably like early teens, mm -hmm. and he made me a homemade rig, and my dad found you know I was seven years old I didn't give a shit about tattoos then, mm -hmm. um, so my dad found it. 
but I, I, I thought it was cool. It was a cool piece of machinery, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, I studied it and, and watched him build it. And, but you know, that was, that's as far as it went. So mm -hmm. when I was, when my dad found it and he took it away from me. So, you know, 14 years old, I'm, you know, getting into this other style of artwork. And so I remember, well, fuck, I remember how to make this, this rig. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. put together a rig, you know, Walkman motor and pen and toothbrush and guitar string and <laughs> started tattooing my legs and started tattooing all the homies in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So you never used the one that your cousin made you when you were seven. No, you just no. thought it was a cool, yeah, cool yeah. thing. Yeah, my dad, my dad dismantled it when I was seven. Do you still have the tattoos that you did on your legs? Um, yeah, I got a couple of them. Yeah. What were you using for pigment? Um, back then, I was using Pelican. Yeah. Pelican and Higgins. Like your actual tattoo pigment then, or, or drawing ink? Drawing ink. Okay, yeah, okay. drawing ink. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it was Pelican is the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have a, you have a couple. But mm -hmm. you've also covered up a lot of them then, or? No, no, um, um, I still have, I started, my very first one, I put my mom's name on my knee when I was 14. Uh -huh. And I started to cover it, but then I stopped. I was like, you know, I'm gonna keep it, mm -hmm. just, just to have it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You said you were tattooing your friends. What, where, where were you doing that at? In my house, in, in, yeah. the, in the garage or in the living room. Like, my parents never batted an eye at it. They thought, yeah. they, they were supportive of it. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't want me tattooing myself, but, you know, I mean, they know that comes, it's all part of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they never, they never, I never got any, any negative vibe from them for tattooing at such a young age. Uh -huh. Like, looking back now, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was encouraged, but it definitely wasn't shut yeah. down. What about your, your friend's parents? What did they think of it? Ah, a lot of them didn't even care. Yeah. They didn't give a shit. Yeah. Same attitude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just kind of part of the culture, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, are you still friends with a lot of these people? A couple or? of them. Uh -huh. A couple of them. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm enemies, but you know, you know, where we take different paths and yeah. go different ways and you know, everyone starts their family and, and they have their thing going on, getting married and yeah, we, I stuck with my career and yeah do you know if they've covered up your tattoos or um a couple of them i don't know i'm sure some of them have um but i still see a couple every now and again yeah um, yeah some homies yeah uh, are you embarrassed by them or what nah, do you think i think they're cool yeah yeah i think what, they're cool what are they what, what were you like last names you know uh -huh. last names on the back uh peacocks uh skulls mm -hmm. um the last one i saw was was my homie's last name on his back yeah and i did it in his garage and I think I was like, I don't know, probably like 17 or, no, probably like, I was probably actually like 19, mm -hmm. 20 maybe. Cause he was like a year or two younger than me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was probably like 19, but yeah. And that was shit. So that was over 20 years ago, almost 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you were, so you started tattooing out of your living room mm -hmm. at like 14 on a homemade machine mm -hmm. and were you charging your friends or was it no. just kind of like yeah. hanging out? Yeah, you know? hanging out and they would kick me down like, you know, just like the typical story, you know, they'd bring beer and we'd be a party, uh -huh. you know, or it'd be, yeah. you know, it'd be that we just hang out or I'd tell them, just let me do something on you, uh -huh. let me practice uh -huh. on you. And everyone knew I could draw, so they're like, yeah, cool, yeah. they're all for it. And how often were you doing that at, at, at the beginning? In the beginning, shit, probably once every couple of weeks. Uh-huh. And then it got more and more, and I would tattoo my brother. My brother let me do a lot of shit on him. 
Um, yeah, and it, it, so so I started doing more and more and more. But you know, it wasn't like a full time job. I was still out hanging out and low riding and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was just something fun to do. I wasn't trying to make a job out of it or a career right. out of it. It was just something else that was cool to do. When did you like realize like, oh, I want to do this as a career? Um, when I was 18 years old, I got into a shop called Vision Tattoo and over on the east side mm-hmm. with Jeff Rosas. Um, I got there and I didn't, didn't really apprentice, but he taught me a lot. And I would, I would draw and, and so I kind of got the, the, got to, got the lifestyle, got a taste of the lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. when I was 18. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a year, maybe, maybe two years. So at 21, I had a daughter. So I thought, fuck, well, I got to get a job now. I got, mm-hmm. I got to take some, I got to make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went, got some jobs, did some odd jobs and thought, fuck, man, like I can't, I can't do this. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's, I can't work a nine to five. It's, mm-hmm. You know, after having a taste of a shop life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck, I, I, I got to, I can't do it. So fast forward to, I was, think I was 24 or 26, maybe 26. I think my dad had already passed away. So um, my ex-old lady knew, knew a dude who knew um, Joe at Bad Boy Tattoo, Joe Lujan. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me that, well, he's looking for a dude and I, he's, he's, uh, he's got a spot open. And I told him about you, that he, that he tattoos, that you tattoo. So, so I went over there and he said, put a machine in my hand. I said, all right, well, let me see what you could do. Mm-hmm. So I tattooed my leg and he goes, all right, cool. So you're hired. So that was, that was, yeah, I think I was like 26 when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, or 25. I don't know exactly the year. Yeah. But so I, I started right then and there and never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. So you were working a nine to five, like two or three or four years. Yeah. And it, what, what was that job? Shit. Or jobs. First, I, <laughs> first I started, I was just like a stock dude at University Art, uh-huh. a little art store we used to have here. And then I... Uh, then I did, um, I was like a delivery guy for Capital Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. And then I got, I became a repo man. Started repoing cars mm-hmm. uh, with Tri-City Recovery. Um, and then I ended up working at the cemetery, mm-hmm. making tombstones. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I was at the cemetery is when I started working at Bad Boy Tattoo as well. So I kind of did the crossover. Mm-hmm. But then I also worked at Makla um, mm-hmm. Art Gallery. Yeah. So I would go to the cemetery, go to Makla after the cemetery, and then go to the tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. And then do it, you do, it, do that every day, five days a week. Mm-hmm. So I did that for like a year, probably like, no, probably less than a year. And then I stayed at Joe Lujan's for a year, then moved over to uh, Lucky Stars with Martin Robertson mm. over on Bascom. Okay. Yeah. And so um, during those years, were you just not tattooing at all or just kind of? I would still do tattoo- some here and there. Yeah, just like on friends and stuff? Yeah, or? just on friends, like little shit here and there, but I was really trying to, you know, make a right move doing something, you know? I thought, you know, fuck, I'm, 
I'm supposed to have a job. I'm supposed to be doing mm -hmm. something. So mm -hmm. I thought the right thing to do was to get a job and, you know, become a working stiff. But it just, I just didn't pan out, you yeah. know, couldn't do it. So when you were at Vision Tattoo, you said that you were with Rosas? Well, Jeff Rosas. Jeff Rosas. Yeah. Did, did you say it was a formal apprenticeship or it was not? It was not a formal apprenticeship. Yeah, it was not. But, it, but he did teach me a lot. Mm -hmm. He taught me how to make needles. He taught me how to, uh, you know, clean tubes. How to, he taught me how to do a professional tattoo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, is he still around? Or? He is. I think he is around, but he stopped tattooing a long time ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You still in touch with him at all? No, no, no I'm not. Yeah, he just, he just I think he kind of just, uh, I could probably get a hold of him, maybe. I'm, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, last I heard, he wasn't tattooing anymore. Okay. Yeah. So you're, so then 25, 26, somewhere around there, you pick up tattooing again. Remind me of the shop. Um, then I went to Bad Boy Tattoo. Bad Boy. In Coyote with, with uh, Joe Lujan. Okay. And you were there for a couple of years and you went to that shop on Lucky Star on Basco. Yes. And then, for, and then you just been doing it constantly since then. Yeah. 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 And what, so you, you were like 26 when you picked it back up. So that was like in, uh, in ni like 1990 or so. Man. No, 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 no. 2000, 2000. 2000. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, 2000. 2000. So 99, 2000, around there. Okay. And so you, so what, when, when people ask you how long you've been tattooing, how long do you tell them? I tell them like 23 years. 23 years. Because I, I don't really count the years as a child, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was, that was, I was just bullshitting a lot then, but professionally, I tell them I've been tattooing professionally for about 23 years. Okay. Yeah. How long were you a lucky star? Um, I think seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did a did a long, lot of lot of work there. Me and uh, me and me and a old friend of mine, uh, Robert Rob. He's uh, Rob Cervantes. He's we used to always work together, mm -hmm. and um, so he. I think he got in there first, and then he got me in. So then I stayed there for like seven years, I think, seven or eight years, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of made my bones there, really. And uh, it was a walk-in shop, so I would, you know, we'd be there 10, 12 hours a day, you know, yeah. just taking walk-ins, trying to, trying to make money. Were you doing, uh, was it all flash? Like, that you it was a lot of flash, but, but at that time, it wasn't, it wasn't um, so much... Uh, a lot of people were coming in with their own ideas at that time too. Mm -hmm. It wasn't mm -hmm. only flash. We had flash books and flash on the wall, but people would come in with ideas. So we'd have to go back and draw, you know, mm -hmm. sit down and draw them and, you know, hand draw shit. And uh, back then I was, I was still trying to push the whole Chicano thing, doing homegirls, homeboys. But mm -hmm. back then it wasn't, it wasn't really flying. It was tough. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I had to make my bones just doing whatever I could. Yeah. And whenever I could do something cool, like it was few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what mostly were you doing? Like American traditional then? No, or? just little, just little banger shit. Like I would, I would, I would, I grew up, like I wasn't formally apprenticed. So, mm -hmm. so everything I've done, whenever I had to draw, I drew it however I draw, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it looked like my work. Yeah. Um, it wasn't traditional. It wasn't. It just wasn't. It was just my hand drawn shit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had I had a pretty good grasp on on drawing. So, people liked it. You know, yeah. people people liked it, and and uh, 
but yeah i never it was never i never really had a style like i never fit into a style mm -hmm. because i would just always draw my own shit however yeah. i saw and it's it's probably that that to me like that's i feel like if i had an apprenticeship i would probably have done a lot more tattoo wise like you know with art and been more structured and disciplined but i also feel if i had an apprenticeship i would have lost my style of art yeah you know what i mean yeah. like it, i would learn i would learn how to draw a certain way mm -hmm. as opposed to just drawing how i draw mm -hmm. so it's kind of bittersweet yeah what are your feelings towards apprenticeships knowing that what you just said um, I, I think they're great. I, I, I'm all for them. I'm all for an, a formal old school apprenticeship. I'm, I, um, I, I, uh, I think it's needed now. I mean, I, I, I lack the discipline. I lack, lack the structure. And I think it's because of that, mm -hmm. because I didn't have, a, have an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm all for them. But I think nowadays people just don't even apprentice anymore. Like it's just, they want a tattoo, they're going to tattoo, you know, mm -hmm. which I can't, I can't frown upon because that's what the fuck I did too you know right, what I mean right. so I can't yeah. frown upon that but you know at least I, I I come from a different generation of of still respecting the industry respecting I don't know having ethics I guess yeah yeah you know, I guess that's what it is have you had an apprentice yourself I have one yeah I had one um he works here uh Drew Drew yeah um but other than that no it's it's like I said I feel like I never apprenticed so I really shouldn't be apprenticing somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 um, I didn't have that discipline. I didn't have that structure. Yeah. You know, I try, I try and enforce it. I try and give it, but it's still my version of it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so Lucky Star, you're doing anything that comes to the door, like a true street shop, right? Mm -hmm. And then where'd you go from there? So after that, um, I went with Paco Excel at mm -hmm. a, at, it was new school, mm -hmm. um, but they're, they're they're just transitioning into death before dishonor. Mm -hmm. So the crew split up, and he had availability. So he hit me up and asked, or, or no, his brother came by, Cristo, and told me, "Hey, you should go talk to my brother. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got he's got availability." So I went over there, and it was it was a hit, man. And so. They hired me and I, I put in my notice at Lucky Stars and had a good run there. Mm -hmm. um, then I went on the DVD crew. I was there for ten years. Yeah, yeah. So, but when you started, it was still called New School. It was no. It, it was he was just it was just just transitioning. transitioning yeah. And, and remind me that the transition to New from New School to Death Before Dishonor was that when Adrian left and opened Analog. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So that yeah, it was the crew kind of split up. So this was like two thousand nine then. Maybe eight or nine, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember exactly. Okay. Yeah, eight or nine. Okay, cool. And and you were at Death Before Dishonor ten years. Ten years. And yeah. were you? So what kind of shop was was that? Was that more appointment based or or was it still a street shop? That, by that time, it was it was still kind of a street shop, but it was more custom because New School was known as a custom shop. Mm -hmm. So it still had that kind of that reputation of being a custom shop. Um, so we didn't get too many walk-ins. Plus, we were upstairs, so we didn't get too many walk-ins. <coughs> Excuse me. But by that time, I had already been building a clientele, and mm -hmm. I had already kind of establishing myself. And so I was, I was kind of, I just got in my own room, just closed my door, and did what I did. You mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, 
I would still take walk-ins here and there, but there, there were so many people there that I, you know, that would take the walk-ins before me. Yeah. So I really didn't do too many walk-ins there. And were you at the, were you able to start doing more Chicano work like you were? I like was, yeah, yeah. Because by that time, it was a little more, Chicano work was a little more respected mm-hmm. in the industry. Because mm-hmm. back, you know, back in the 2000s, 90s, 2000s, it wasn't respected. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still street shit. Mm-hmm. It was still from the gutter. But for some reason, it, was, it didn't carry that respect. Like, I remember going to conventions and I remember this one time this guy entered this full back piece that he got in the joint. It was nice work, you know, it was really cool shit. But the judges were like, nah, nah, that, you can't even count that shit. That shit don't fly. Yeah, so I was like, these motherfuckers. I was like, because they put me on the panel to judge and I was, I was sitting next to these guys I was like, you guys are fucking lames. Mm-hmm. So, but back then, yeah, it, it didn't get respected. So, because if you, even even like me being Chicano and trying to push that, all my peers would be, well, I don't want that. That's cholo shit. I don't want that shit. Mm-hmm. That's cholo shit. I'm mm-hmm. not a cholo. Like, but you know, I was trying to push it. It's just like an art form. It's beautiful shit. Like mm-hmm. you know, the homegirls and the homeboys and everything. I wasn't trying to make it gangster. I was just trying to make it cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, people people see it as gangster shit, so mm-hmm. they don't want to identify with it because it, it did have a stigma to it. Yeah. But you know, over the years, it's uh, it's grown and and it's gotten a little more respect now because it has grown. You yeah. know, it is a force that you can't deny. Yeah. It is, it is a, its own art form. Are most of, well, I, at Death Before Dishonor, when you started kind of honing in your Chicano style and doing it more and more, were most of your clients Chicano that wanted that style or? Yeah, yeah, at first, yeah, they were. And honestly, for, at first, when I first started doing it before DVD, like, I would probably get more, like, white guys who wanted mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I was torn with it, man, because I thought, like, you know, this is our shit. Like, why are you getting this? Like, you didn't, you got to earn that shit. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then, you know, I realized I just, I, I can't be doing that. Like, if I want to put this, push this as an art form, then everybody has to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I got to be able to do it, appreciate anybody who wants it. Mm-hmm. So I got over that. But, but even back then, like I would, I would see when it started growing, I would see, you know, other, other artists started doing it like in Santa Cruz or, or, or shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I would see people going to them to get it. And I'm like, they're not even fucking Chicano. Like, why mm-hmm. are you going to them? Why, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you come to me? Mm-hmm. But I had to get over that shit too, you know, like, and just understand that it's just an art form. And as long as it's respected, that it, anybody could do it, anybody could get it. But yeah, in coming to DVD, <clears throat> when I started doing it more, it was more, I think the stigma started dropping. So I started getting, and we, we started getting older, my peers started getting older. So it was more nostalgic for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, my, most of my clients were Chicano at yeah. that time. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind, I, I want to kind of dive more into the into the whole white people getting and doing Chicano art mm, yeah. and, and, and your processing of that. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's, that's one thing that, um, seems to be 
like I've had a lot of conversations, particularly with Japanese tattoo artists, mm-hmm. and um, and they get they'll get shit from from people saying like you can't you shouldn't be doing yeah. your, your your shit on white people and yeah. like I'm Japanese how can I appropriate my own culture exactly you know like exactly. and so I, I if when what was when you said that you said that uh, you can you can take it yeah uh, can you come back in a little bit about an hour sure okay sure. Yeah, okay. he just sells bottles. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so when, when at first when you were struggling with white people wanting to get Chicano tattoos, mm-hmm. and then you came to the, you said that like you said that you can't be like that. Like what? Walk me through that process that of the of how and why you, you well, got to that point. I because I. Cause I, I did want to push it as an art form. I didn't mm-hmm. want to push it as, you know, this gangster shit, this street mm-hmm. shit. Even though that's what it was, I did want to bring it to a new light. Mm-hmm. And and I wanted everybody to appreciate it. I wanted everyone to to understand where I was coming from. Yeah. To understand who I was and understand this was a part of me and and not not keep that stigma on it and not be, um, what do you call it? Not, not to have the uh, discrimination against it. Yeah, yeah. So I had to open up and, and not discriminate myself yeah. for it, you know? So is it, is it fair to say, and I think what I'm about to say is a, is a testament to how fucked up society is, mm, is that yeah. in order for, for you, you felt that in order to get Chicano art style more appreciated, you had to do it on white people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's fucked up. It yeah. is fucked and, and that's a whole other topic we can get into. But I mean, yeah, it is because our own people, as our own, like we, they love it and we appreciate it, but we're also the ones to, to hold it down too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know it's, it's the, we, we, you know, we are, I think in any culture, we, it, we are our biggest enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, but once, once white people start getting it, it becomes a little more accepted. It becomes not so taboo. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, and I think it, they, they take it to a different, to a different level, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing, but they were able to, not that we weren't able to, but I think we were so, so, um, Thank you. We're so like, cause that's how I was at first. Like you, you have to earn this. You uh-huh. got to earn this shit. Like uh-huh. there's people literally getting killed for this shit. People yeah. going to prison, uh-huh. getting this shit. Like, uh-huh. so that was a big, big thing for me. Like I, I you have to earn it. Uh-huh. But that's me being, that's me discriminating mm-hmm. against everybody else. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't deserve it. You mm-hmm. don't, you didn't earn this. Mm-hmm. So how could I say that, but expect to not get that back? Yeah. Right. So what about, and I think, and you were kind of touching on this, when when white artists are, are their whole shtick is is Chicano art like that. To me, that that seems, and I say this as a white guy. Yeah. That seems like it would be a harder pill to swallow. It it was at first. It was at first, but now it's you know there's 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 dudes out there not not only white and Asians like they fucking they're bad they're bad motherfuckers you know mm-hmm. but to me like the work nowadays to me Chicano work is fine line black and gray pepper shading mm-hmm. 
you know, hand-drawn, mm-hmm. that's Chicano work. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, everybody's Photoshopping shit, everybody's on the iPad, everyone's taking an, this image of a girl off the internet, mm-hmm. putting clown makeup on, and they're badass tattoos, mm-hmm. but to me, that's not Chicano work. Mm-hmm. That's just, uh, that's black and gray is what that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks, they're, they're doing Chicano imagery, but it's mm-hmm. not Chicano work. Mm-hmm. That's my personal view on it. I mean, I'm, I could be wrong, but that's just my personal view. To me, Chicano work is hand-drawn shit. It's a little wonky. It's a little off. You know, it's, it's, it's but that's where the soul's at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, a portrait of an exact replication of a girl's face or mm-hmm. a car. Mm-hmm. There's no soul in that. Mm-hmm. They look good. Mm-hmm. They're great tattoos, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, that's not Chicano to me. So would you say that, would you, it sounds like you're saying the line is between photorealism and, and, and not, or no? Yeah, kind of, kind of that, but like, because uh, it's not really photorealism, because they will, they will alter it, like I said, put mm-hmm. the clown makeup or Day mm-hmm. of the Dead shit, or mm-hmm. you know what I mean, on a photo, mm-hmm. and make it super, super nice work, but like, I don't know, I just don't, I don't, I don't feel it. I, I, I don't think it's, I appreciate it as a great tattoo, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't call it Chicano work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's where, that's where where my dilemma is now. It's not who's doing it or what this guy's white or Asian. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's doing it, but let's understand what what it is. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where that's where the, my dilemma is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about what? What would you say to a younger tattoo artist that? grew up on the east side, Chicano like you, that is doing, uh, doing that kind of Chicano iconography, but is, is on the side of the line that you would say is not necessarily Chicano art. Like, like the realism yeah, shit like that? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't tell him nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would, if he, was at, if he asked my opinion, I would tell him where I stand on it. But I mean, honestly, as long as you're doing a good tattoo, mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. I mean, it's, if you're trying to push like, oh, I do Chicano work, I do this and that, mm-hmm. then then okay, then I don't mm-hmm. have to be like, okay, well, mm-hmm. let's let's see what you got. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you doing? Like, and I would I would give my input on that, but but if he just has his head down, is trying to do something nice. I mean, like I said, the work is beautiful, mm-hmm. and I'm not knocking that. It's right. just it's not it's not Chicano, mm-hmm. you know. One more question along this yeah. along this line of thinking here. So. Uh, a non-Chicano artist that's that's doing it, like, is there any kind of like tribute or like education or 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 um, recognition that you you think that they need or should give, like, with, to to like, so that they're not just plain ripping off a culture that's not theirs, right? Like, um, <clears throat> I mean, usually, usually, uh, I, I I see a lot of them like. They do love the culture, like the ones I see that are doing it. They do like dive into it, which mm-hmm. which is is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, it really, it's just about respecting like what it is. Like, like me personally, I don't do anymore. I won't do prison towers. I won't do mm-hmm. jail bars because I never been to the joint. Mm-hmm. So I won't do gang shit i'm not in a gang mm-hmm. i shouldn't be doing that mm-hmm. um i feel i feel personally that that's something that you have to 
earn again. You know, mm-hmm. you got to earn that right to do it. Um, so I won't, I won't do that no more. I did when I was a kid, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel it's right. But as long as you respect where it's coming from and act what it actually is, you know, like, and like with social media and TV, everything gets watered down. Everything mm-hmm. gets, everything loses its luster. Everything, nothing's sacred anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at this, this day and age, just do a good tattoo at least, you yeah. know, at least know where, where it's coming from. Yeah. yeah. You know, everything, it, it's, it, it has gotten to a point where it's a style, it's a fad, it's a, it's a, it's not even about the roots anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Huge thanks to Abraham for taking the time to talk to me. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. The second half of the interview will be out Wednesday, October 4th. Thank you so much, as always, to Tessia Spizak for our logo. Go follow her at TrashSack69. Get a tattoo from her. Mitt Beats wrote the intro and outro music. Special thank you to all of you for listening and telling your families and leaving us five-star ratings. Tattoo 408 is produced by me, Ethan Gregory Dodge. See y'all next week. Later. Later.